The birds are singing and the sun is shining, even in the midst of all that is going on. Well, hello. Welcome, friends, to Jubilee Church Teesside, Sundays at home. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, a fresh maybe, a big shout out to you. Hope you enjoy and benefit from this morning's service online. As those of you who have been listening in weekly um, will, have, uh, will, will know, will have gathered, we've been unpacking and praying through the Apostle Paul's description of what having God on the inside looks like, what a spirit-filled life fruits with characteristics and evidence of holiness, if you like. Let me remind you of uh, what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And so today we come to the characteristic of kindness, biblical kindness. It's a funny word really, kindness. In many ways it's kind of underrated, a bit of a mundane virtue maybe, particularly for us guys. Who wants to be called kind? I want to be called Iron Man or the Hulk, not kind. But hear this, the Bible presents a very different, compelling portrait of kindness. One that isn't namby-pamby, but rather one that will always take your breath away. Let me give you a, a flavour of what I mean. Firstly, this kindness in the Bible is supernatural. It's out of this world. Biblical kindness is love's actions that come from an indwelling, intimate, guiding, encouraging God. Not just short-lived willpower. No, biblical kindness is persistent. It's enduring, unconditional. A kindness that only comes from a miraculous, life-birthing encounter with God. Ephesians 2 reads this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, gratifying the cravings of your flesh and following its desires and thoughts, by no means fruiting with the characteristics that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Rather, as the message uh, paraphrase brilliantly puts it, you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. I can relate to that. It's a powerful picture. But Ephesians 2 tells us, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made something that was spiritually dead alive with Christ. Not from yourselves, but the gift of God. This supernatural new birth, this new air living and that we're breathing, living day in, day out. The Ruach of God pulsating vitality and energy. This life, friends, explodes all over the place. God's love in action. I guess that's what makes it supernatural. It comes from your very being, not from your very doing. From Desmond Tutu to Mother Teresa to Martin Luther King Jr. to Florence Nightingale, this holy kindness has brought, has brought and changed, has brought transformation the world over. But also this supernatural kindness is shocking. My friends don't always, always get it really. They can be a bit suspicious, uh, sceptical maybe of Christians and their kindness. What's your ulterior motive? 
because it's countercultural. It costs us. It crosses man-made barriers. It's generous. It's overflowing. It's an orientation of the heart towards other people, even when you think they don't deserve kindness or they don't, de or they don't love us in return. The Bible has a big emphasis on that kind of otherly self-giving kindness. In Isaiah 58, we see a dialogue where the people of God are thinking they are pleasing him by performing all their outward religious actions and rituals. Look at me, they were saying, but God isn't fooled. In fact, he shocks them into silence. He says, let me tell you what true worship is about, what it looks like. It's this, to loose the chains of the injustice. To, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from them or from you, because uh, 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 they are your own flesh and blood. Listen, hearing that would have knocked their socks off. You see, in ancient times, Family meant everything. You gave your all to your family, a bit like our asylum seekers and refugee communities. But the other part of that is if they were not part of your family, they were different to you. I would have no obligation to look out for you. In fact, often there was a lot of conflict and tribalistic uh, dis disharmony between families in Jesus' time. And in the midst of this, in the midst of this man-made sinful divide, God thunders in and says, look, I want you to look at the poor wanderer, an impoverished person from a totally different racial background, an asylum seeker, a refugee, someone even with a different sexual orientation that you might not be comfortable with. An ex-offender, maybe. A drug addict. Someone who's homeless, possibly. Selling you the big issue. I don't know. And to treat them, God says, yes, them. Not just nicely. Not just charitably. But as your own flesh and blood. Your family. Your loved ones. Why? Because they are mine, God says. And what I love and cherish, you should love and cherish too. That's biblical kindness in a nutshell. And furthermore, Jesus says, if you don't have that kind of love, then no matter what you say, you don't know me. You don't love me. You think you do, but you don't. Yikes. Rosaria Butterfield, in her widely publicised autobiography, The Secret Thought of an Unlikely Convert, she described her transformation from a professor raised in, a Catholic, in the Catholic Church to someone who identified as openly lesbian after falling in love with one of her research subjects. In this time, she says that as a non-Christian, her impression of Christians was that they were poor thinkers, judgmental, scornful, and afraid of diversity difference. Anyhow, after publishing a critique of a Christian group in her local newspaper, she received an enormous volume of polarised responses. So placing an empty box in each corner of her desk, she sorted those written responses into hate mail on one side and fan mail on the other side of her desk. 
I've often thought about doing that myself, but that's a different story. Then one day she received a two-page response from a local pastor. It was a kind and inquiring letter, she says. It had a warmth and civility to it, in addition to its probing questions. After reading it again and again, she couldn't figure out which box to put that letter in. So it sat in the middle of her, of her desk for seven days. She said it was the kindest letter of opposition that I had ever received. Its tone demonstrated that the writer wasn't against me. Eventually, she contacted the pastor and became friends with him and, and his wife. They talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased, rubbed out, she said. Their friendship and kindness was an important part of Rosaria's journey to faith. It was unexpected. It took her breath away. And this supernatural, out-of-this-world, shocking, breathtaking, counter-cultural, divide-busting kindness stems from the heart of God. His kindness, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 2.4, is meant to lead people to repentance, joyfully turning to God, which implies that they haven't yet turned to him, that they are still his enemies. What the Bible describes as sin, disobedience, disregard, and dishonouring God. Yet, yet, that doesn't stop the lavish love of God flowing into their lives. He moves first. These characteristics that we are going through, one by one, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, Jubilee, these are the many colours that fill God's palette as he paints himself into a world of brokenness, pain and sin. Your world, my world. It's what changes a man's heart. Beauty, in fact. Beauty unspeakable. Beauty like no other. To end, let me tell you about a man called Ernest Gordon. Ernest Gordon uh, was a Scottish minister who also became a prisoner of war in World War II. He wrote a book called Through the Valley on the River Kwai. And in it, he describes his experience, along with other soldiers, at the hands of Japanese soldiers, as they were forced to build a jungle railroad, where literally 1,000 to 2,000 prisoners died for every five miles of track that was built. Death Railway, it was called. And this continuous hardship had a real effect on the people there. And this is what he says. As conditions steadily worsened, as, as starvation, exhaustion and disease took an ever-growing toll, the atmosphere in which we lived was increasingly poisoned by selfishness, hatred and fear. We were slipping rapidly down the scale of degradation. We lived by the rule of the jungle, red in tooth and claw. The evolutionary law of the survival of the fittest was in operation. It was a case of, I look out for myself and to the hell, to hell with everyone else. We were the forsaken men, forsaken by our families, by our friends, by our government. Now even God had left us. But one afternoon, something happened. A shovel was missing. The officer in charge became enraged. He demanded that 
the missing shovel be produced or else. When nobody in the squadron budged, the officer got his gun and threatened to kill them all on the spot right there. It was obvious the officer meant what he, uh, what he said he was going to do. Then finally one man stepped forward. The officer put away his gun, picked up a shovel and beat the man to death. When it was over, the survivor was picked up and his bloody corpse was carried away with them to the second tool check. This time, no shovel was missing. Indeed, there had been a miscount at the first checkpoint. The word spread like wildfire through the whole camp. An innocent man had been willing to die to save the others. The incident obviously had a profound effect. The men began to treat each other like brothers. One man wrote in his journal, death was still with us, but we were being freed from its destructive grip. Kindness. When eventually the victorious allies swept in, the survivors, human skeletons, lined up in front of their enemies. And instead of attacking, their captors insisted, no more hatred, no more killing. Now what we need is forgiveness. Sacrificial love has transforming power, he writes. Friends, that's beauty in the midst of depravity, isn't it? Shocking kindness in the midst of a storm. And that was just from a human being. Listen, the cross of Jesus Christ goes further. This is the gospel, friends, the joy news of Jesus. And as he, God himself, was hanging there, dying on a tree, you know what? He stepped forward for, for you. He was beaten in the ground so that you didn't have to be. He was dragged away, innocent, before your very eyes. This Jesus died for you and me. He did everything to destroy sin, injustice, condemnation, shame and death without destroying you and me. Why? Why would he do that? He's God after all. Exactly. What God wouldn't do that, I ask you, for his precious children? Through his kindness, you are transformed. A supernatural, shocking community of sacrificial love overflowing compassion, a light in the darkness, a city on a hill jubilee, beauty like him, the church, God's glorious bride. That's the very heart of the cross, isn't it? We don't know exactly what God is doing in the midst of all that is playing out around us, but we do know that he is good and he loves us. The cross tells us that for sure. But maybe, as C.S. Lewis once put it, all these happenings are partly God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Deaf world. Let's pray that he will change us for the better, even in the midst of pain, especially in the midst of pain. He's speaking to me. He must be speaking to you. How will he use you? As Andy shared uh, at the prayer meeting last week, how will he use you? What vibrant, dazzling colours will you bring to this black and white world we live in? In fact, it's one thing listening, and, uh, listening to me talk about kindness, but why don't you watch the following story of Jesus? 
kids and adults together maybe. Be excited by what by God. And then talk about what your kindness could look like in the next few days and weeks and months. Pray it into action. Are you up for that? Maybe that's your response to this message today. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.